All right, guys, thank you for joining me for another episode of The Bearded Advocate. I'm your host, Alex Pappas, and today I am joined by Gabriella. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Alex. So go ahead and give us a quick intro of who you are and what you've been affected by. Sure. Um, well, I am a small business owner. I'm also 23 years old. When I was about 14, I was diagnosed with cholesteatoma and about eight years and 12 surgeries to beat that with numerous complications that included a cerebral spinal fluid leak. And it's led to total loss of hearing in my right ear, loss of taste, loss of smell, um, loss of vision in my right eye and decreased sensitivity on the right side of my body. Um, recently, I was diagnosed with bilateral hip dysplasia and I also suffer from severe anxiety, depression, and borderline personality disorder. Ooh, that's, a, that's a fun, fun mix. Okay. It is a fun mix. <laughs> okay, a lot to unpack there. Oh, so I guess what, which ones affect you the most on a day-to-day basis? Kind of, I would imagine kind of all of them. Um, they all sound like a fun, fun combo. Um, and what do you have, or what do you run for a business? Cause I'm curious, kind of curious what everybody does. It's fun meeting the other business owners. Absolutely. Um, I run a photography business. You can find me at Gabriella Rankin photography. I specialize in couples, weddings, and specifically adventure sessions. So I get to take people out and Take them through slot canyons, take them rock climbing, go do some really cool stuff that I'm passionate about and do in my personal life. I get to share that with others, which I really love. Um, so you can guess the hip dysplasia is largely impacting my days. And so is the borderline personality disorder. And I recently had something called a periacetabular osteotomy surgery last September, last April. Mouthful, Okay. Is it's shortly known as a PAO surgery. Um, so what they did was they went in and broke my hip in three places, shifted it so that the socket, the hip socket itself, would become deeper um, to decrease arthritis, early onset arthritis, and they reset it with pins. Um, it's been a lot of pain that I deal with day to day. So taking people out and having them go through slot canyons, having them go rock climbing, stuff like that, that I love to do in my life can sometimes be really hard. Um, many times I have had to bail off of climbs or be down for weeks. What may take people a few days to recover, it takes me weeks to recover. Okay, sorry, I'm distracted by the photography. <clears throat> I, do, I do nature photography on the side, so not so much as a business, but. I love that. What are you shooting on? Uh, Sony, Sony A6400. So, okay. Yeah, simple, non, not like, eh, I guess, hobby slash professional grade, not quite there. Um, but I have a full frame macro lens, which comes out to around 75 millimeters once I put it on my crop sensor. And then I have a 12 millimeter wide angle, but I love doing nature and automotive mostly. Very cool. Sony, I think I'm upgrading. I'm leaving Nikon to go to Sony. <laughs> They've got some good stuff. Yes. Yes. Okay. I know I don't do it professionally, but yes, it's always good to hear when someone switches over. So where are you located out of curiosity? <laughs> I am located in Temecula, California, which is Southern okay. California. It's the wine capital of Southern California. Just curious. I found your website. So, or at least a 
photo shoot that you did on Pixie set because <clears throat> yes. you know gotta gotta look okay focus Alex we got this <laughs> I get distracted by photography because for me I mean touching on the mental health aspect which I said we almost always touch on photography is one of those things that I do to kind of relax and de-stress especially the nature aspect of it and it, it's put a lot of things into perspective like some of my best photos that I've taken have been on like the shittiest days outside <laughs> It's so funny how that works, isn't it? <laughs> it's like it's downpouring. It just finished raining and I can get this amazing picture of like a flower with my macro lens with the water droplets on it. Yeah. So, okay. That's, that's so cool. All right. So back to, yes, that, so they had to break your hip. I was still listening to that. Um, so how long did that take to kind of bounce back from? So I had total bed rest for three and a half months. And Oof, that's a. That was super fun. But if you need any Netflix recommendations, let me know. I can help out with that. Um, Took three and a half months of bed rest. And then from there, I was still off my feet for an additional two months. Mm -hmm. After that, I was able to slowly transfer back to normal, but I had restrictions for running, hard hiking, rock climbing, pretty much everything I normally do. I'm a very, very outdoorsy person. I live outside and it's kind of what my whole world revolves around. So it's been really difficult to not be able to do that. And as of actually two weeks ago, I got the all clear to return to hundred percent and climbed for the first time in about two years. And this Friday, I actually have a surgery to have the hardware removed, the three pins in my hips removed and that will put me down for about a month of mm. no hard activity but then I'll be right back to normal hopefully a hundred percent pain-free so the two years down is that a little bit of time where it was getting so bad before the surgery or was that two years since the original surgery and you've just kind of been working back towards things that was two years where I was in so much pain and I didn't know what it we didn't know what it was um we had thought it was my back. I have a couple of sli- slipped discs in my lower spine, um, in addition to pretty severe kyphosis that causes a lot of pressure on my lower back and on my hips. So it was really hard for me to differentiate, okay, is it my back or is it my hips? But the two years was just pain from regular activities, from walking, from standing for eight hours, carrying things. It was just, we had no clue what it was from, but it was not from the surgery itself. Okay, that's fair. I'm always curious because sometimes, you know, recovery does take a long time or it takes longer than expected with certain things. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So now that that's going to be almost fixed once they take the pins out and you recover from that, what uh, what are you kind of planning going forward with that? And what's your, what's your day-to-day going to look like? And what are you going to have to, I guess, deal with on a regular basis if that, that issue is resolved? Well, if this issue is resolved, it's going to look like a lot of physical therapy um, because I was not using my right leg for almost four months. I was completely no weight bearing on it for about five months. Um, It became super atrophied and I am incredibly weak still in my right leg. So it's going to look like a lot of physical therapy, a lot of work in the gym just to get back to where I was. Um, And in addition to that, it's still lots of heat, lots of icing, listening to my body when it starts to flare up when I do have pain. 
I have to make sure that I listen to that and that I stop instead of pushing myself. That's fair. So how has it been <clears throat> balancing the photography? Is that, is that the only thing you do, just running the photography business? Or do, you, do you do something else as well? That's my full-time job now. Um, okay. I was nannying full-time for a really, really wonderful family. And I was working about 60 hours a week with them, but oh, it geez. just became too much. The pain was really, really hard. And I physically could not keep up anymore. Um, so when I had the surgery, I quit nannying, which I really, really loved. And that's when I actually started up my photography business. So having a business that I run myself, it allows me the flexibility in my schedule to know that, okay, I'm going to have a shoot on this day that's going to be really physically taxing. So let me hold off on the next week for just the not so fun stuff, the emails, the website, the yep. marketing. And so it allows me time to recover. That is fair. It's a good, good balance because... <clears throat> And I always bring that up because I have a lot of different people on that do a lot of different things from people that are, you know, fully on disability to run their own, you know, virtual assistants. I've had some people that do photography and run marketing companies, which seems to be one of the more go-to, at least for people that I interview, um, which is interesting. I think people with disabilities or chronic illnesses kind of lean towards certain things and, you know, virtual assistants, marketing assistants, photography, um, graphic design work does give you that kind of freedom to do it on a more flexible schedule and then to plan out those days like all right i'm gonna have a heavy day here let's plan out the rest of the weeks chilling at home working on marketing stuff working in advertising editing god the editing takes forever sometimes too yes it does it really does it's important though to be able to like you're absolutely right it is important for people who deal with chronic disabilities or Mental, even mental health is super impactful, impacted by work days sometimes. It is really important to have that flexibility so that you can hold yourself accountable, get done everything you need to get done, but still set those boundaries for yourself, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I need to work a little bit more on the accountable part, but <laughs> we're working on that. Uh, we're working on that. But I do, personally, I work a 40-hour-a-week job for the government, and then I come home and put now that I'm back into it, 20 to 60 hours a week into this, usually. Wow. Yeah. Less, <laughs> less than I, less than I, less uh, productive than I probably should be for that amount of time. But, you know, that's, that's the process I'm working on. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's fun sometimes. But it is one of those things that I do kind of stress and talk about a lot is finding those activities that you can um, put a lot of time into that you're passionate that is less of a draining aspect on you and more of like, hey, this is something I enjoy doing. So it's less work. Like, you know, I do my 40 hours a week at my job and then I come home and I can do this. But this is, you know, socializing. This is interacting with other people. It's networking. It's a lot of other things than just, hey, I'm grinding out another, another job. It's not like I'm going to, you know, like I used to do go to a, my main job and then go to a retail job afterwards as well. It's something I enjoy doing and has enough variety where I'm not constantly doing the exact same thing every single day, all day. Yeah, that's a, it's nice to not do the same mundane thing nine to five every single day. I think that would drive me crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, no mundane, mundane things is usually Instagram content. And that's usually like a Saturday, Sunday, whole day thing. And that's it. And I'm like, all right, we're done for like a month. We're good schedule it out. Call it a day. Yep. 
but <clears throat> okay so that's just the physically getting around now you said you're also blind in one eye i am i have a blind spot so in okay. my right eye i would say like the top quarter of it um top right quarter of it is completely there's a black spot in my vision so i don't have like a full view of everything and um, that okay is so you still have okay so it's not uh, all right I, I guess i listened to that wrong i thought it was like completely blind in one eye i was like can't yeah. hear in one ear you can't see out of one eye <laughs> no that would be quite the uh quite the pair though wouldn't it <laughs> that would be that yeah i was like man and she does photography That's... it, it can't be difficult no that was um most likely as a result from the cerebral spinal fluid leak complication. Okay, so that kind of happened later on after that, happened, that. Yeah, that happened after my third cholesteatoma surgery. Okay, so, so I guess out of everything that you deal with, what would you say is the biggest, I don't really want to say obstacle, but a struggle with the photography aspect of it curious because i mean doing photography for me with the medication i'm on like i shake a lot like my hands um when trying to focus on things so photography as much as i do it for passion it's always a fun one to do and you uh you shake all the time so. yeah that's a tripods well yeah tripo tripods work up to a certain point when you're doing macro photography Macro is one of the harder ones to do with certain things. Like if I'm trying to get something way up in a tree and I'm just kind of like reaching for it. Funny enough, I actually do some, some photographers hate me for it, but I actually do sport mode shooting. So I shoot at a super okay. high shutter rate and just take a bunch of pictures and it sh clears a lot of stuff out, which some people hear they're like, God, you're not supposed to do that. It's horrible for your camera. I was like, yeah, but it works for me. I'm a high shutter speed shooter too. <laughs> yeah. Like I just take a bunch of them and then I'm like, yeah, you know what? I was like, as a group, it looks really good. I'm going to go find the best one. And you can't even tell I was shaking. There you go. It's better to have too many options than not enough. Odds are you're going to get something good in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. What would you say is the biggest one for you dealing with photography? Um, I would say that I've been really, really lucky that my hip dysplasia has not been so bad. Um, they haven't done my left hip yet. So I do still have mild hip dysplasia in the left that is really tough um when i'm on my feet for weddings i'll be on my feet for eight nine hours and i come home and i'm hardly able to get off the couch so that's been really difficult knowing that okay i'm about to go put myself through this really long session that i'm stoked about but i'm gonna be hurting really bad at the end of it and the borderline personality disorder also plays in really really heavily to photography and is been quite the obstacle. Um, I am newly diagnosed with BPD. I was diagnosed in November of last year, and I have what's called known as the quiet form of BPD. So when you okay. think, yeah, realize so there's a quiet form, but all right, there is. I, so I don't know. I didn't know that there was a difference too, because when you think of borderline personality disorder, you think of people who can sometimes be very emotionally invested, very loud, um, mood swings, irritability, exploding on the outside, whereas quiet BPD is 
everything looks fine. You'd look at me, you would probably never know, but it is total, complete chaos on the inside. Um, I really struggled with finding my style in photography. And one of the trademarks of BPD is not really knowing who you are, um, no sense of self. So I would constantly try and morph myself to like other a specific style of photography that just isn't my style that I don't excel at. Um, I felt like that, okay, this, because this is what everyone else is doing. This is what I have to do also. The imposter sy syndrome is very real also. I've heard uh, about, I, well, TikTok exposed me to that one. I was like, what is that? That's a thing. God, I need to stay off TikTok. <clears throat> TikTok's a dangerous place when you get lumped into the ADHD group. Like, yes. Some of the suggested stuff is just like, well, calm down, TikTok. Like, I don't, I already questioned enough things in life. We don't need to add this to this. Like, no, <laughs> calm down. Um, got some good stuff. Yeah, like chill. Like, I know there's some other things wrong, but they don't cause any pain and they don't get in the way. So we're going to leave that alone for now. Um, but yeah, no, that's okay. That's interesting. Yeah. And it, <clears throat> for people that don't do photography, having a specific style is what really sets you apart as a photographer. Um, and if you ever get into it, like you start to understand, like you really, really enjoy and excel at whatever your style is once you figure it out. And going outside of that's kind of a, I mean, at least for me, it's weird. Like I don't do people. I just don't, it's, I don't know. I like more rustic and darker kind of photos um, just with the stuff that I've taken. That doesn't really work with like a lot of people photos. They need more, you know, you need more bright. Right. The light and airy. Yeah. Light, airy, bright. Like weddings are always you know, like white dresses, really bright and high energy. And I'm just like, nope, nope. I'm chilling. I like flowers and cars and things that uh look great next to an abandoned building like <clears throat> yep I am not a light and airy photographer either which is really hard just like you said with weddings like it's kind of the trademark yeah. wedding photography you think bright airy white really light and I am a dark moody warm toned photographer um I love it when my brides wear literally any other color but white <laughs> like pick anything else please oh. I love the non-traditional um and I think it's because I myself am a super non-traditional person I saw what was it a blue and black wedding photo shoot at some point this past year and it was oh it was amazing I just love it was it was that darker and moodier kind of color to it but it was still that wedding feeling i was like this is this is amazing this is what i want this is, this is what i would do not that most people want like the brides and bridesmaids in blue yeah they were in blue and the, the guys were in black looked really cool though that's super cool i love that i love when people get creative it's their day so you know how whatever makes you happy you're the one that's getting married and you're the one that's gonna have this photo this forever so it's completely up to you Okay, let's get away, get away from photography. I keep getting distracted with it. I, I love it. It's something I do. Like <clears throat> this whole podcast, it started like a year and a half ago. Um, and I made the decision. I was like, okay, you know what? I enjoy photography. I really love it. It's fun. 
Um, and I could probably do a lot with it if I put some time and effort into it. And I was like, but I want to start talking to people about, you know, like chronic illness and disability and, and do some advocacy to it. Cause I got to this point, I mean, I was diagnosed at 17, so I'm 28 now. At my 11 year mark, I was at around 10 when I kind of came up with this whole idea. I was like, you know what? I feel like there's almost an obligation when you're at a certain point with your diagnosis or disease to share the experiences that you've been through to help other people suffer less. And I was like, okay, you know what? Podcast it is. We're going to put photography on hold. We'll do it more as a hobby and a, and a relaxing thing than uh than a dedicated 100% effort kind of thing. So I was loving when, when I get to talk to people about photography that do it full-time. I was like, ah, that sounds cool. It is very cool, but yeah, you're definitely right. It is, it does feel like, okay, I an obligation when you are diagnosed with some sort of chronic illness or mental health issue, like to go forward and help other people. Cause you know, when you were first diagnosed you probably felt alone. Um, Oh, I'm going to be honest. I didn't find the Facebook groups till you're like eight. And I was like, what in the world was I doing? Like, I'm a nerd. I'm a gamer. How did I not think about this? I was like, God, I am so dumb. I was like, I could have been talking to other people forever. Yeah, I felt. I learned Facebook groups were a thing. I was like, wow, I'm in so many groups. How did I not think about this? The same thing here. I didn't even know. I never really thought to join Facebook groups. And that it, it was just so tunnel vision of I'm the only one experiencing it yep I'm completely alone nobody else will understand when in reality whether or not their journey through whatever illness they've been dealing with might not be exactly the same but I'm sure that there are multiple people out there who can understand and relate to what you're going through when even I think I think a big part of it too is not even I mean, maybe I have a, I have a little bit more common of a, of a disease colitis is, you know, Crohn's and colitis get lumped together under irritable bowel disease. And in America, there's roughly 4.1 million people like affected by it, um, off the CDC numbers. So there's a big group of people that I can relate with in that aspect. But I think a big part of it is, especially as a guy, you know, just, just every, almost everybody I interview on the podcast is a female because, you know, guys don't share their feelings. Um, but it's really important because a lot of people, whether they're going through the same thing, whether they're at the same stage or not, it's, I think in a way for a lot of people, it, it helps them know, Hey, look, I'm not the only one dealing with pain or the isolation, whether it's the same exact thing or not. Like you understand that there's other people that are out there and not even to be like, Oh, okay. I'm not the only one suffering, but I talk about it a lot when I talk to people. There's this automatic level of understanding when you have a chronic illness or a disability when you talk to somebody else. doesn't matter what we have. There's an automatic level of understanding like, okay, I've been through some stuff. You've been through some stuff. I don't want to hear you say, have you tried this cure? I just want to talk to you like a normal person and understand that we've both been through some stuff and we're a little bit stronger because of it. And we've had our downfalls and we've had our low times and we made it past that. You know what? We're at a much better point. Um, and I think that's a really big part of it. And 
you know, to some degree with like colitis, I definitely talk to a lot of people that are newer to colitis and I can give a lot of advice, which I think is important for people to have a more common condition. Um, but regardless, I think even on the, the mental health aspect of it, like we all deal with the depression. Um, and I think a little bit of the anxiety, which is whether it's full-blown anxiety or just all the stuff that we get exposed to with fun changes dealing with the medical field. Um, and so a lot of the unknowns that are attached to that, it's, I think, really important to talk about that in the aspect of, okay, you know what, we might not have the same thing, but we have similar problems with the financial side of it or insurance. Here's what worked for that person. And maybe I could try it. Maybe it will work for me. Or what I talk a lot about is, hey, find that thing that lets you escape and completely shut your brain off to the world around you and be fully involved in whatever you're doing. For me, like I talked about a little bit, you know, photography is a big thing. Gaming is another big thing for me. It lets me just, you know, forget about everything else that's going on, focus on what I'm doing and then reset and come back to like, okay, hey, you know what? I got some stuff I got to deal with. And if anything, if nobody can relate to, you know, the same condition I have, if they can take away, hey, I need to dedicate more time to that one thing I love that lets me reset. Like that's important too. Absolutely. It is important to have that one thing that kind of keeps you grounded. Um, and that sometimes, you know, make a really, really good point. Of the physical pain is bad, but the mental pain and the mental isolation is arguably worse. Yep. It's arguably the most difficult part of it. So having something that continues to pull you through that, that you look forward to doing is, is sometimes all you've got. Well, it, it kind of, it gets you, gets you out of that negative mindset. And I have an IT background, so I'm a, I'm a computer nerd. Um, and the first thing, like if there's something wrong with a computer or a piece of technology, or your game console, or, you know, your phone, what's the first thing you do? You call anybody that's anywhere in technology, anywhere in, in tech support. And they tell you, did you turn it off and turn it back on? Like that, that's all they ask. It's the simplest of actions because in technology, it causes whatever you have, laptop, computer, it shuts all of the information off and it tells it to go right back to the fundamentals of, hey, start with this, load this, go into this, then into this. And it allows your computer or device to get back to the advanced things that maybe it was struggling with. And I think on a mental health aspect, we're very similar to that. Maybe we can't completely shut our brain off because it controls so many functions in our body, but if we can distract it 100%, so we're not thinking about the medical bills, we're not thinking about the social interactions we can't go to, or the people that don't talk to us anymore, the relationships that's failed, you can 100% get away from those thoughts and be like, you know what, I'm going to read a good book, I'm going to write some poetry, I'm going to work on my art. I'm going to do photography. I'm going to go game with my friends because my friends don't focus on all that. We're just worried about our kill count or building an awesome thing in Minecraft. And it's, in my opinion, very similar to turning your computer off and turning it back on. You have that maybe a couple of hours or day, or you know what, maybe you're in the hospital. So it's a week long or two weeks long. And you're just trying to focus on, on that one thing that keeps you distracted. And Every now and then you're like, okay, you know what? I've had, had my time. I'm going to come back to, okay, what are my issues? And now they don't seem so overwhelming. Maybe that 
massive medical bill is okay you know what let's have a let's think about it let's have a conversation with it let's call billing maybe we can set up bill pay as opposed to hey i need to pay ten thousand dollars today or maybe you know your can your uh, your doctor dropped the the big c word it's like well you know what we might have to test for cancer well i'm gonna be honest if you're on a chronic you have a chronic illness or a disability damn near every medication has a side effect of cancer um so taking the time to research okay you know what i'm on this new medication what are the chances? Because a lot of medications will say, you know, extremely rare. And when you start getting to the really rare things, it might be, you know, like one in a thousand, one in a million, one in 10 million. And taking the time to research it, okay, maybe it doubles your chance to cause cancer. Well, when it's a one in 10 million to now one in 5 million, that's not as scary as one in a thousand to one in 500. So it's really important to take that time and then kind of come back to it and be like, okay, you know what, what am I dealing with right now? And how can we, how can we look at this a different way? It is all about your perspective because if you, you, it is, and it's hard, you know, when you're in it, my mom always told me growing up, sometimes it's hard to see the forest through the trees if you're stuck in the middle. Um, and that perspective is everything because it can go from, poor me, this, this illness is affecting every aspect of my life. And so here's all these things that I can't do, which is absolutely true. And it's not to be negated or not thought about, but incorrect, but yeah, not not the full, you know, future. Right. But there are still so many things that you can still do. Um, And it's important that you take control of your life and of the things that you are able to because there are things that just unfortunately you're not able to do well yeah and that's that's all part of the grieving process well at least depending on where you were in your um life when you either got diagnosed or or became disabled for some people that are born with it it's a little bit different of an aspect because that is your normal versus someone that had maybe up to a certain point fully functional life and then it changed with you know a new chronic illness or you got an accident and now you're, you're disabled to a certain degree but yeah it's it's perspectives are a really big part of it and that's another thing i say a lot on the podcast is pain puts things into perspective and that perspective can give us a purpose and it all does take time sometimes so i talk about it from time to time so i was 17 when i got diagnosed and i refer to it all the time as my swift kick of maturity because that's exactly what colitis was. Because I'm sure everyone knows that at 17, you're incredibly amazing at communicating with everyone around you on a regular basis, especially as a male. Um, So there were no obstacles whatsoever when I got diagnosed communicating with my doctor and no possible fallbacks that may or may not have led to hospitalization because, you know, not communicating with my doctor about what's going on and um, downplaying things because you know you gotta be gotta be tough and gotta push through things even though they might be killing you in the form of a chronic illness. <clears throat> so it's 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 really important to understand you know wherever you are in your life and everything that you're going through. Like you don't have to be amazing and automatically accept everything day one. There's an acceptance period, there's a the grieving process for people that are diagnosed with things and, you know, things that you do lose, whether it's a career or maybe some of your favorite things that you used to do that you can no longer do to your new limitations. But there's 
new doors that open when you start looking for them. And once you kind of understand, okay, you know what? I might not be able to do this anymore, but you know what? I have this massive amount of knowledge and understanding for this now that I have this new condition. And maybe it's being more empathetic for people that deal with it. Like myself, I would have never run a podcast to help people that have chronic illnesses or disabilities if I wouldn't have gotten colitis. Like never would have been a thing I would have even thought about because I didn't experience it. So there's a lot of things that can come from being diagnosed. I don't necessarily want to say good, but there's a lot that you can still do. So if you're, if you're newly diagnosed with something, eh, hang, it, hang in there for a little while. You know, there's, there's some new things coming. You might, you might run a photography business or start a podcast or maybe start a nonprofit down the road to help people that are in your community. So there's, there's a lot of options. It might not seem like it right away, but there are. There are so many options. And in addition to that, you might not even know that these options are options. And when I was diagnosed with my cholesteatoma, I was 15 in my sophomore year of high school. I knew from the time that I could walk that I wanted to be a marine biologist. I grew up on a boat pretty much, um, in the ocean, swimming, every chance that I got, I was in some sort of body of water. Um, what a cholesteatoma is, is it's a tumor that is specific to the ear. Um, and at the end of all of this, they ended up removing my middle ear, my inner ear, and I am no longer able to dive. I can't get in the water because I have no middle or inner ear. I get so dizzy that I can't figure out which way is up and I, I will drown. Um, so my whole world was turned completely upside down when I pretty much realized that I could no longer do what I had set out to do as a career, which was be a marine biologist. That was, the carpet was ripped out from under me and it turned my whole world upside down. I mean, I had my career planned out down to where I wanted to go to school, where I wanted to work. It, that was all just no longer an option. Since I couldn't get in the water, I couldn't scuba dive, I couldn't swim. And it sent me into a spiral for years. It sent me into a spiral of, there is nothing else that I will ever love, even come close to loving as much as I loved marine biology. And it took, what, I'm 23 now? Took until I was 23 to figure something else out that I loved enough that I'm making a career out of it. I'm turning it into the same love that I have for marine biology. And if it wasn't for all of this, I never would have gotten into photography. I've made some really, really wonderful relationships and met so, so many amazing people that I never would have met if it wasn't for all of this. But I, if you told me that this is what my life was gonna be after I was diagnosed, I probably wouldn't have believed you at the time. Oh boy. I mean, when I got diagnosed, I didn't even believe my doctor about, you know, things I couldn't eat anymore, let alone looking that, that far into the future of like, oh my God, you know, I'm going to try to run a podcast to help people. Like, no, 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 no. I'm just, I even want to talk to myself about my own disease, let alone other people. Right. Yeah, no. And, and a big part of that, because I'm in, you know, a couple other advocacy groups and, and on other podcasts from time to time. And we were talking in a podcast about grief, which was a really big thing and, and kind of touched on it on it perfectly. There's a lot of it with people that are diagnosed with a condition at a certain point for that exact reason. 
you have a career that you're either planning on doing or a life that you're planning on having that you've been planning out for so long. Maybe you go to school for a certain thing and then you get hit with this diagnosis and this diagnosis says no, or it says maybe, but you're going to hate it. And I say that because, you know, um, personally, like I love cars. I love working on cars. If I could do anything for a career, diesel mechanic, hundred percent. I love, I love it. I don't care how dirty it is. I don't care how much it hates your body because turning wrench is not conducive to your health or your body's functionality in the long run at all, but I would love to do that. And it comes down to, could I do it? Yes. Would I regret it in 10 or 15 years because my body would be falling apart way more than it already is? Absolutely. So it's one of those things there, there are those stages, like, you know, I've been trying to make it work for a long time. And I think this past year has kind of been the, okay, you know what, we, we need to give up on that. That's not, that's not going to be a career. Let's find another career or something else I can do that <clears throat> still does a lot and I can still enjoy. And maybe we'll save working on cars for, you know, side projects at the house. <clears throat> but there is an entire grieving process in that because you have this vision of, hey, this is what I want to be. This is what I'm aiming for. This is who I would love to be in the future. And then something comes along and it's like, nope, never happened. Yeah. And, and there is that grief process, kind of like losing somebody because you're losing essentially a portion of who you were. And the hard thing about it is it's so difficult to let it go. It's the logically you understand that this is no longer a viable option for me or no longer a viable option the way I want it to be but I still don't want to let it go because mentally you still want it just as bad as you did before you were diagnosed but now it's not even you telling yourself no you can't do this anymore it's a decision that has been made for you which makes it even harder you want it more yes in most cases because not, not only did you want it to begin with, now it's being told like you, you would do anything just to make it happen. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge. And there's a lot of that, like, you know, you're like, yeah, no, this wouldn't work. And then you spend all of this time thinking about ways to work around it where maybe I could make it work. Maybe if I did this or did that, or maybe if I found a job here where it's a little bit easier or, you know, maybe, maybe going with a smaller scale version of it or, or somewhere else, maybe, maybe it could work. And it's just, you end up torturing yourself for a long period of time until you finally get to the point where you're like, you know what? No, that's, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And I'm okay with it. Maybe I'll find another way to work around. At least, you know, thankfully I can work on, work on cars in my garage and not destroy my body as, as, as a career and just do it on the side for some fun every once in a while. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a mess. And and I think people need to take the time and, and understand that and communicate that with, with the people around you as well, because it does affect a lot of what goes through your mind and comes back to, I mean, I found myself, you know, hopping around in careers, like maybe I'll do this, or maybe I'll do that, or maybe this is a good idea. So it's, yeah, it's a big, big, big factor to keep in mind and, and an okay thing to deal with. Like, you're not the only one that deals with it. It is coming from a grieving counselor that we talked to, it's similar to same scale as losing like a family member. Yeah, it is, it's incredibly difficult to go through. Um, but you don't know what else is out there until you've made your peace with, okay, 
this is not what my life is going to look like, but let's see what else is out there. But for a little bit, a little bit of time after that grieving process, after you finally come to terms with, I can no longer do my plan A, let's figure out what plan B is. In the middle of that, there's all these grasping at straws, just like you said, maybe I'll do this, maybe I'll do that. And they're just all over the place. Yep. Oh, 100%. 100%. That's 100% me. <laughs> Tried a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I'm like, eh, no, that's not working out so well. Now it's, okay, you know what? Let's uh, let's try to impact the world. I went, I went from wanting to, to do diesel conversions to, you know what? Let's change the world. Why not? Let's, no big deal. Let's just have people talk on a podcast and make everybody feel better. Yeah, that, that works. So. They're both. You know, it, it's not the same kind of love, maybe, nope. but <laughs> no, it's not the same kind of love, but you don't hate it. You don't, you still more. I, I enjoy it. Like I do. Yeah. I do. I enjoy talking to people. And, and I say it a lot. People are always like, no, what do you talk about? I'm not a social person. Like I'm antisocial. <laughs> is my personality type? Nope. Not social. The only reason podcasting works for me is because I'm a gamer. So I'm used to Online communication, no big deal. Like gaming all the time. You talk to random people in game chats, you know, playing Call of Duty, Minecraft, all the different games. They always have that public lobby where you can go talk to people. So I'm good at that part. But no, I'm not a social butterfly in person, which is also fun. I think it's funny, specifically for people who are a little bit more introverted and aren't quite as social. I'm very, very similar. I don't really like, I'm super introverted also. Um, Yep. Just how empowering and accepting online communities can be. And I think that that's really, really easily looked over. People say, oh, you know, this is somebody online that you've been talking to. So like, it doesn't count. It's not the same as having a physical in-person friend when it absolutely is. So on that aspect, so I'm a gamer. I've been gaming forever. And I've always heard that, oh, you know, they're just people you play with online, blah, 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 you know. How, how can that compare to, you know, somebody you meet in person? So January, which is part of why I took a break from doing the podcast for a little while, I actually went up to New Jersey. So one of the guys that I game with was getting married and I was one of the groomsmen. So we had hung out a couple of times. We were in completely different states and we met playing Battlefield, no Minecraft, Minecraft, like 12 years ago or something forever ago, literally right before I got colitis. And He's one of my best friends. We, you know, we might not hang out in person a ton, but holidays and stuff, we'll hang out, go different places, or you know, come down here. We'll go up there and get a group of friends that we hang out with. And those online connections, <clears throat> I think, too many people focus on, on quantity over quality. Like I have a very small social circle, which I'm okay with. Um, you know, personality type being an INFJ type A. I'm an INFP. (laughs) Okay. Yep. So it works, you know, I'm introverted, extrovert, very much on the introverted side. And, and it works because it gives you that level of connection without too much overload. Like you can, you can game together. You can talk online. You can join a discord or a zoom call and, and have your conversation for a couple hours and check on each other. And then, you know, you have your space and it's not, there's not that expectation of, oh my God, I got to go somewhere. We got to hang out for four or five hours. And then I got to act a certain way or be rude if I try to bail out early where it's <clears throat> an online community, especially the gaming community. You're like, yep, nope, let's hop in and game for a couple hours. And I'm got, man, I got to bail and I'll come back later or you'll be gaming tomorrow night. Cool. 
And I think that <clears throat> kind of carries over into the, you know, the chronic community and the disabled community, because there's a lot of people online where, you know, they're in bed all day. They're stuck in a hospital. Yeah. So they love to talk to people. Maybe, maybe not for a ton of time, or maybe it's just a certain group of people, but we all relate and so much. So online is a great, great resource to find some, some really good people. And hell, I mean, everybody that I talk to on the podcast, I talk to some really amazing people on a regular basis and I met everyone on, on Facebook groups <clears throat> and there's no reason that, you know, joining a Facebook group, you can't find somebody amazing to talk to. Maybe, maybe you're not going to start a podcast together, but maybe you can help each other through the rough patches that you guys are going through. Absolutely. Um, and there are illness. I, I, I wish I'd known this when I was going through, I found it when I had my hip dysplasia, but I wish I knew that there were illness specific groups. Yep. Um, and so you, it kind of takes like a mentor and mentee kind of role. Mm -hmm. uh, there are so many people that now I've been out of the cholesteatoma. I've been officially stable now for about two years, but there are many people who are just starting their journey and feel like they're drowning. So to be able to go in and help someone the way I wish that I would have had someone come in and help me through it really does make a world of difference. Oh yeah. That's, that's actually part of how I started the podcast. So I found, I found the, the Facebook groups like eight, like three years ago, three, three and a half years ago. And I joined them and I was like, okay, <clears throat> which in colitis, colitis is a giant, colitis and Crohn's is a giant mess of people because colitis used to be when I got diagnosed, mainly men got it. It was like a 70, 30 split. Oh, wow. And you got it when you were a teenager or you got it when you were in your, your late forties or fifties. That was it. Those are the two time frames you got it from. <clears throat> there were rare cases where it kind of branched out from that, but now colitis and Crohn's is pretty much a 50, 50 split between men and women. And there is no designated age range. You can get it when you're five, you can get it when you're 20, 30, 40, 50, like you can get it at any point in your life. And it can be something that's hereditary or it can be something that's caused by an immense amount of stress on your digestive tract. Mine was a combination of the both. I got, I had hereditary disposition for colitis and then I got food poison, which put me into a flare up and now I just have active colitis. But joining the group, I saw so many people that had no idea what was going on. People that were in their 20s that were trying to start a career and now their career is being derailed. People that are in their 30s that had just started a family, maybe they're on their second or third kid. And now they have this condition where they can't even get out of bed and they got to take care of kids or put food on the table or, you know, if they're the, the main income earner in the family. And there was just so many people all over the place. And I would spend all of my time at my, my last job, because it was a really laid back job where I could just sit and kind of chill for most of the day in the morning, just answer people typing away on my phone. And I would say the same thing hundreds of times to random, you know, ton of different people that were posting. I was like, you know what? It's kind of getting repetitive. It feels like, repetitive, doesn't it? So repetitive. And I was like, you know what? If only there was a way that I could do like record something and people could just listen to it as many times as they wanted. And it was the resource that they needed. And I was like, oh my God, I could start a podcast, which was originally going to be called Let's Talk Shit because it was about Crohn's and colitis, <laughs> which would have been an amazing, amazing podcast name for, for the topic that it was. But I decided that I needed to broaden my horizons and help everybody that's broken because, you know, 
we all need the help. Um, so yeah, if somebody wants to start that podcast, like I will help you start it. I just, I got, I got my own now. So I got a bigger, broader selection, which I'm enjoying. I've talked to people that have a giant array of conditions. And I've even talked to some people that have terminal illnesses, which I thank them for coming on. And, you know, it's, it's very unfortunate, but some of the knowledge and just the perspective that can come from them and, and realize, like, even if they're dealing with something like that, there's still so many things that we can relate with and still help move the process forward and, until that, you know, that time comes with their condition. And it's just, I'm, I'm having a really, really good time talking to everybody. I'm enjoying it. And it's good getting back to it. So it was like, three month break and I'm like okay you stop being lazy Alex like you just moved computer set up you can do it it's hard to get back into things when you've had that break sometimes it feels, it feels good though it feels good yeah that break's kind of like do I want to I'm not gonna lie like the, the recording and, and editing part I'm good with the Instagram marketing oh god that one's that one's one of the ones where it's like I'll ease back into that one <laughs> Yeah, that one's going to be a little, a little slower with, but a lot of ideas coming out. So it's good. That is exciting. Uh, so yeah, any, uh, I guess any other things that you really want to focus on or hit or points that you want to drive home or crazy stories that massively changed your life? Um, yeah, actually. Okay. So I think probably the hip dysplasia when I was first diagnosed, I heard hip dysplasia and thought that's only for dogs. No, people can get it too. <laughs> so I learned, um, but that was a lot more cut dry and straightforward as compared to going through my cholesteatoma journey. That was, even though the trap, the book is closed on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was diagnosed after my third or fourth surgery, I came out of it and started getting really, really dizzy. Um, couldn't stand, could, they couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, lots of pain, lots of dizziness. So they rushed me to the hospital thinking that I had meningitis. Um, note to everyone, if you ever have to have a spinal tap done, make sure they admit you. Don't do it in the ER. Um, they've done a oh spinal boy. tap. Oh yeah. Came oh boy. Okay. For meningitis after it took them five different goes before they retrieved the sample. Um, and they sent me back to school the next day since I had missed about half a semester of my junior year of school. Went back to school and the next day, within 30 minutes of being at school, I was no longer able to stand up. I had walked out into the hallway and was laying flat down on the floor because it was the only way that I could not physically black out from pain. Um, we went home and called mom called the doctor trying to figure out what was going on and no one could figure out what was happening I I couldn't take myself to the bathroom I couldn't sit up without this overwhelming pressure exploding pain in my head and and my my surgeon couldn't figure it out either so we went from surgeon to doctor to doctor to doctor ended up exhausting almost every ear nose and throat and neurologist in Florida, finally having to go into Philadelphia to Switzerland. It was just continuing Switzerland, to work. Geez. That yeah, because okay. we couldn't figure out what was going on. And there was they, no... they really good at it over there, like a big 
hub? It was starting to narrow things down and kind of a crazy how we figured out what it was. Um, I had been down for about three months, unable to get off the couch, missed all this time in school. And it kind of just popped into my mom's head while she was praying over me one day, the cold cerebral spinal fluid leak. This was after we had exhausted every doctor in Florida who went and Googled it. And sure enough, it matched all of my symptoms to a T because none of my symptoms had lined up with any of the, any of the complications or illnesses that made sense in that situation. It was this really, really oddball situation of like, okay, obviously these things are happening. I'm watching them happen, but I don't know what's going on. So I don't know how to help you. Um, and just constantly being sent back home of saying, I'm really sorry. I, I don't know how to help you try someone else. Um, keep looking, search for that third, fourth, fifth, sixth, 12th opinion. We finally were able to go out to Los Angeles about six Six months later, we went out to Los Angeles and it was there finally where we found a doctor that said, yeah, I could see how it could be a occult cerebral spinal fluid leak. Um, and that's where they actually were able to fix it and send me back. And I was back to almost 100% within the week. Um, but it was, keep looking, you know, if, if you are struggling and you're not getting any answers, don't, don't give up on it. It's so, so easy to give up and be so defeated and beat down time and time and time again. But you have to keep looking, you have to keep advocating for yourself, even when the doctors won't. Yep, <clears throat> that is a big thing. Um, I actually talked a lot about that in the past, you know, getting, getting second, third, fourth, and fifth opinions. And <clears throat> me being a numbers-based person, because it's how my brain works, um, I look at a doctor's visit, like I look at any other service that I buy, you know, if I go to advanced auto parts and I'm going to part for my car and I have it installed by somebody and you go to the dealership, put it on, <clears throat> you go in, you're paying a service. Usually you're, you know, your copay and then your insurance company's paying a massive amount on the back end, depending on what you're there for. At the end of the day, you're getting a service and your service provider is, charging you for that and if at any reason you think you shouldn't be getting something done or they should be doing something extra shop around there's yep. it's it's you're not cheating on your doctor like you're not signed to the doctor for the rest of your life you can you can talk to other people it's okay and a big thing that i think we can thank covid for is right now a lot of doctors offices outside of your area offer telework or yeah. tele telenet television yeah so some some form of remote doctor's visit where you can just sign in online you click a link and you get a little webcam and you can talk to the doctor which i think is really helpful for people in those rural areas where maybe you don't have a second opinion in your town or you have a second opinion within a couple hours of you so you know it's normally outside of your reach and now hey you know i can call this doctor in a different state and set up a time and join the meeting and one of the really important things is you you may not have them as a main primary doctor going forward but you can take the information that they get and give you based off of you know what you tell them and maybe you have your 
your medical records transferred over so they can look at it ahead of time. You can take that information and you can go back to your doctor, which is really important. And I say that because a couple of years ago, I went out to Richmond, which is about two and a half hours from where I'm at in Virginia because um, okay. I'm on the coast. And I saw a specialist that my doctor actually recommended because I have severe colitis, not mild, not moderate. I'm in that fun little category where everything acts differently for no reason. Um, so for me, normal medications don't necessarily work at the normal dosages. I went to the specialist. He's like, Hey, the infusion that you're on every eight weeks, it's not working. Try it every six weeks. I was like, you can do that. He's like, yeah, no, I got patients to do it every four weeks, every two weeks. And it works great for him. Brought it back to my doctor. He's like, I didn't even think you could do that. I was like, I didn't know either. And now my doctor has that information. He knows, you know what, if people aren't working on the eight week mark, they could try it at six. They could bump it up to four if their insurance, you know, approves it. And he's able to treat other people that come into this doctor's office. Cause there's a whole bunch of, I think there's probably like 20 doctors that all work in the gastroenterology place that I use. So they all have this knowledge now. And that's really important for both patients and for doctors because you're spreading knowledge that maybe wouldn't normally have accessed your area because you're willing to go out and get that second opinion and bring it back to your doctor and say, hey, look, you know, here's this doctor. He's got all this information. He's recommending this. And a lot of the times, there's a lot of doctors that are willing to do that, especially with rarer conditions or more extreme conditions because, you know, they're doing it for a reason. Yeah, they're there to help people and, you know, they want if you that's why vulnerability and communication is so incredibly important when you do as difficult as it is to open up about your specific struggles and, and the details of your disability or your illness by opening up and, and sharing with doctors with communities with other people you're helping other you're helping someone else um, and it makes a it makes a world of difference to someone else they may not have to go through what you went through all because you're willing to share your experiences and your knowledge. And that's, that's the big thing, helping other people suffer less by sharing the knowledge that you have. Absolutely. Oh, I feel like, I feel like that's a good place to end unless you have anything else to add on. It's yeah, a great place to end. God. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. As always, thank you for stopping by and listening to the episode. Make sure you guys head over to thebeardedadvocate.com to show your support. It's got all the links to all the other social media platforms, which I'm creating a ton of new content on that I'm sure you guys would love to watch and hopefully in the future be a part of. So thank you, as always, and have a good one.